It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by DraftKings. Love me some DraftKings. Look at the deals they've got on DraftKings Sportsbook for Sweet 16 this week in basketball. Do yourself a favor. Take a dollar to DraftKings. Use the code ROSS. You get 100 to 1 odds on any of these basketball games. Absolutely Amazing. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, bunch of podcasts now. Cannot tell you how much it means when you rate and review the show. If you just do that, if you just rate and review the show and send me an email, ross at rostucker.com, I'll send you a signed picture or card or press pass from this season. That easy. Just rate and review Fantasy Feast and boom, it is yours That's how much I appreciate those of you that go the extra mile when you retweet it or like or whatever. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod on social. You got to check out some of the other shows we've had this week. Ryan Fitzpatrick was amazing on Monday, whether it was talking about Tua Tungavailoa or proposing to his wife at a McDonald's. That dude is a legend. Today I had Mike Florio on to talk all things to Sean Watson, which is something obviously to keep in mind from a fantasy perspective with the Houston Texans quarterback. A lot of people thought they were going to get him on their team. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Even Money Podcast with Steve Fezzik was terrific yesterday, talking NBA MVP race, talking Sweet 16 betting, and yes, his thoughts on NFL free agency moves that have made a difference. That's what we're doing today. It's essentially part two here on the Fantasy Feast and breaking down the second wave of free agency, if you will. And there's a bunch. Kenyon Drake and Chris Carson, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster. There's nobody on the planet better than Joe Dolan to break down the implications of these moves Love the Sixers hat. You got to check out Joe on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Check him out on his own social at FG underscore Dolan. He is the master of all he oversees at fantasypoints.com where you get another code this year. I gave you a code last year. That was feast. That won't work anymore. So use the code 21 feast. For year two. How awesome is that? You get another discount here in the second year. I didn't even know they would do that. It's amazing. 21FeastFantasyPoints.com. And Joe, there's actually some moves to talk about because we spoke last Wednesday, you know, right before free agency started technically, but there have been a bunch of the legal tampering moves. Now we've got a lot more to dive into. Oh yeah, Ross. Like there, uh, it's kind of funny though. Like I-, I knew by the time this podcast would would we would be talking that free agency would essentially be over. Like we just have kind of minor moves leaking out now, and there's really only one 
like fantasy impact player who's left uh, unavailable, like true impact type of guy, that being uh, Leonard Fournette. So uh, we, we got Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster um, to break down here, and, and uh, then we can start preparing for the NFL draft and getting everything sorted out for the 2021 season. It's, you know, you, you end the season and you think, oh, I'm going to take some time off. Not really. Because you have to prepare for free agency, and then you have to prepare for the draft. And then that's when you can truly start to take time off, take a deep breath, do some uh, best ball drafts for sure, and start preparing for August and September And when we kick off what looks like it's going to be a 17-game 2021 season. And it looks like, Joe, we should be having the guru, John Hansen, on next week's episode which would be amazing. I want to get some perspective from him, just kind of overall free agency importance and fantasy, what he thinks are the most impactful moves, least impactful moves, maybe underrated, overrated. So if you didn't already bang the subscribe button on your podcast app or at YouTube, make sure you have done so. Let's start with quarterbacks, Joe. Either Jacoby Brissett or Tyrod Taylor. Mm -hmm. Is there a format? Is there a place for them in a fantasy lineup? Are you taking them late in a best ball in case Tua stinks or in case Deshaun Watson gets traded or can't play this year? Is there any relevance in your mind to either one of those guys from a fantasy perspective in any of the formats? Best ball, dynasty, whatever. Well, Tyrod's contract is a little more interesting to me because um, it, it has the incentives baked in that essentially would double the value of the contract. And I have to imagine that those uh, incentives are based on playing time and production. And, um, you know, uh, I think last week we talked about John McClain from the Houston Chronicle saying he expects Deshaun Watson to be traded. Now, obviously, there is a whole new layer and a disturbing layer to that story with the lawsuits that are coming out against him. So... I mean, I, I can't sit here from my perspective and and predict what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Like, I mean, that, that story has exploded to a level none of us anticipated it to. Um, but there is obviously now, I would think now, quite frankly, a greater chance that he doesn't suit up for the Houston Texans, whether it be a trade, whether it be a suspension. I'm not sure. Uh, what exactly is going to happen there. But I think Tyrod Taylor's contract, it was constructed in such a way where the Houston Texans could come out and say, hey, look, if this guy needs to be our starter, uh, we now have somebody who's who's has that experience. He is far more interesting for fantasy to me than Jacoby Brissett is, for, first and foremost, because he's more mobile. Uh, he's more mobile than Brissett. So Tyrod Taylor with uh, the proliferation of mobile quarterbacks and how that's becoming a, a pretty much o- a, almost a requirement in the NFL at this point, w- a, 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 with the exception of some old heads like Brady. Um, I, I, he's much more interesting to me for fantasy than Jacoby Brissett is. Although I did think it was interesting um, that Ben Volin of the Boston Globe, who got the contract details for, for Jacoby Brissett, said, He'll see the field this year. I'm not really sure where he was getting that spin. Was it from Brissett's agent? Was it from Brissett himself? Um, 
the messaging on Tua has been weird since Tua got drafted, quite frankly. You know, like they – I remember the, the press conference that Brian Flores had after they drafted Tua, and he didn't seem overly excited. Maybe that was the, the inner Belichick coming out on Brian Flores, but I thought it was fascinating. And then you see them bench Tua Tonga-Vailoa in-game multiple times during the season, something that you just never see with a rookie quarterback who's who needs to take his dings and dents – that being said, Jacoby Brissett, it's a one-year deal, $5 million, worth up to $7.5 million. That's a backups contract. Like, he signed a backups contract. We know he's got uh, – he was the Hail Mary and, and short yardage specialist for the Colts last year. Don't know if maybe that'll continue. But in terms of fantasy perspective, Tyrod Taylor is far more interesting than Jacoby Brissett. If Tua Tonga-Vailoa is going to be unseated in Miami, I would have thought – which now I think the chances have gone down, it would be in a trade for Deshaun Watson. Right. And the fact that they got Brissett makes you think it's not gonna, they're not gonna get Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick really stood up uh for Tua on Monday's Ross Tucker football podcast. But I know most people would say, Well, what's he gonna say? Yeah, Tua stinks and whatever. But he didn't have to talk about the elite accuracy and throwing with anticipation. And he makes a good point in the sense that I didn't think Tua looked great last year. I, he didn't. But but the flip side is like Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't look good as a rookie. You know, I'm not saying Tua is going to be Fitzpatrick. I'm just saying not every guy looks great as a rookie. So this year will be interesting for him. Let's get to the running backs. There's been a lot of movement since last week, Joe. The running back market had been slow. It has picked up. You got to explain the Kenyon Drake one to me, man. You, you got like I, I mean, what what is going on? What you're you're having me explain that to you, Ross? Like what what do you think I am, man? I'm not a, I'm not a wizard over here. Um, I I that was one of those ones where like I I I sent it in our in our group uh, text with our with our owners at Fantasy Points. Uh, we are a we are a worker owned website, by the way. Um, I. I, and I remember just like, I think, I think we got, uh, Graham Barfield might have sent the vomit emoji back. Like, th- this was for fantasy, a universally pan move. And then, of course, anybody on, on planet Earth who thinks, uh, who thinks if running backs are anything more than unpaid interns, uh, that, that it's a bad move. But I mean, you do have to look at the use of the resources here and see that, I mean, they, they spent a first round pick on Josh Jacobs just two years ago. Josh Jacobs was a great receiver in college. They have not utilized him in that role, Ross, at all in his in his NFL career. I am going to blow your mind right now. Josh Jacobs has one, one target on third down in his NFL career. One. What? One. They do not trust him to catch the ball. He's a good receiver in college. Normally, normally when a running back's a good receiver, uh, let me re- let me re- rephrase this. Normally, that's a, a that's a, um, a an area of a running back's game that's a little underdeveloped in college. And when you see somebody who's really good at it in college, like a Christian McCaffrey or a Saquon Barkley, you anticipate that that is going to be part of the reason those running backs get drafted high. But there's a lot of guys who weren't great receivers in college who end up developing that aspect of their game in, in the NFL. Josh Jacobs is the most extreme example of it going the other way I think I've ever seen. 
Uh, the Raiders just don't use him in that regard, and it's one of the reasons he hasn't been great for fantasy. So we're, we're sitting here looking at um, Josh Jacobs, and, and now I don't even know where to draft the guy. Third round, fourth round? Apparently, Kenyon Drake is somebody who John Gruden has wanted for a long time, and he was going to get him no matter what. Um, and and damn Josh Jacobs' fantasy value. But then I look at the fact that Arizona last year decided that Chase Edmonds was the better receiver than Josh Jacobs, uh, than Kenyon Drake, rather, based on how they used him. So I see Kenyon Drake coming in here into uh, into Vegas as the receiving back on a team that decided the very good receiving back they already have isn't a good enough receiver to be a receiving back in the NFL because they've used Jalen Richard in that role and other guys, uh, Devontae Booker as well. So you have Kenyon Drake going in there, and now he is coming from a team that decided he wasn't a good enough receiver to be the receiving down back. He caught fewer passes in a full season in Arizona last year, then he caught in eight games after being traded to the Cardinals in 2019. This move is mind-blowing to me. Now, Kenyon Drake said they're going to use him as a running back and a wide receiver. I've seen so many guys say stuff like that. I, I think I remember it when Mike Davis was signed with the Bears a couple of years ago, and then and then his role evaporated pretty much as soon as the season started. I uh, Ross, this is just a nightmare for fantasy, and I'm probably, if I'm going to be investing in the Raiders' backfield at all, it's probably going to be in Drake in that he's the cheaper guy. You know, he had 10 rushing touchdowns a year ago, and if you were to say, hey, Kenyon Drake was going to have 10 rushing touchdowns before the season, I think we all would have ranked him as like a top six running back because we would have anticipated the receiving uh, action to come in Arizona, but he caught just 24 passes. He averaged under five yards per reception. It is the most bizarre signing of offseason, and it's a nightmare, a nightmare for fantasy because we already know they have untapped potential in that backfield because Josh Jacobs doesn't catch the football. I don't think there's much to say about Chris Carson going back to Seattle other than no. this is good, right? I mean, It's good. It's good for fantasy, yeah. We know what Carson is. Like, it's nice because we know what Carson is. We know how they'll use him. The one I got to ask you about, I don't think there's much to say about Carlos Hyde or Devontae Booker unless you do. The one I want to ask you about, Joe, what am I missing with Philip Lindsay? Like, I don't sit there and watch the coaching tape of every Denver Broncos yeah. game. But when I watch the Denver Broncos on TV and he gets the ball, he is, wait for it, hashtag good. Like, he's good. He's explosive. He's fast. He's fun to watch. We're out here giving Kenyon Drake this kind of money when you can – Signed Philip Lindsay for the minimum. The Broncos could have just kept him for the you know original tender. I, there must be something really wrong yeah. with this guy that I am not aware of. So, um, I, he's kind of the guy who's like the favorite, I guess, of of like fans, and they love they love watching Philip Lindsay because he has that power for such an undersized guy. But Ross, here is the thing. We now have multiple coaching staffs that have decided that Philip Lindsay isn't good enough to be a receiving back. But unfortunately, 
I, I got to tell you, the numbers are not good on Philip Lindsay, at least last year. Now, maybe part of that was because he played uh, just 11 games. He had foot, knee, hip injuries, and he played hurt a lot of the year. Um, he caught just seven passes all year, first and foremost, which is not a good thing for a running back who's his size. Among the 48 running backs that had 100 carries last year, Philip Lindsay was dead last in success rate at 29%. He also ranked dead last among 92 qualified running backs in receiving yards gained per route run at just 0.29. So I think what, what people, or maybe the Broncos saw with Philip Lindsay was the fact that he's an undersized running back who runs hard, yes, has good straight line burst, but he doesn't catch the ball. So their better runner was Melvin Gordon. Their better receiver was Melvin Gordon. I actually kind of like what they did in bringing in Mike Boone uh, from from the Vikings to essentially be their number two back now behind behind Melvin Gordon. But Philip Lindsay is a guy who, yeah, I mean, there is something missing here. And to to me, for fantasy, it's always been that receiving production. And I have to imagine that that this is now multiple coaching staffs and now a new general manager that has decided with the Denver Broncos that Philip Lindsay doesn't do something. He, there is something that he doesn't do well enough that they thought they could get better production elsewhere. Now, unfortunately for Lindsay, he goes to a backfield that is just a complete nightmare right now for fantasy. I mean, uh, uh, it's a team that's a nightmare. It, uh, I mean, I, I can't even imagine um, how hard it's going to be once once all the dust settles or even if the dust is settled by the time the draft is over, projecting the Houston Texans because that team is going to be a mess. For fantasy, it's it's – not a great move for Lindsay. He goes where they have Mark Ingram and they have David Johnson. And hey, I'm glad he was able to get a contract. But you're right. There is something missing that the behind the scenes that we just don't know with Lindsay. But unfortunately for him, the underlying metrics on his performance in 2020 were not good at all. Fair point, Joe. Very fair point. Uh, I say it all the time. Go to Fantasy Points. Use the code 21FEAST. And if you ever forget any of the sponsors we have, like HBO Max or 100 Flowers, DraftKings, all cut keeps, I love purple, I love manly bands. They're all on the sponsor page at RossTucker.com. So I know a lot of you listen while you're commuting or working out. Just Google Ross Tucker sponsors or go to RossTucker.com slash sponsors, and you can always see what we have for you. You know who doesn't need a sponsor? Kenny Galladay, because he's getting a ton of money from the New York Giants. Interesting, by the way, I got a little nugget for you, Joe. Cool. I did some research on Galladay. There were some, I'll call it professionalism issues with him last year in Detroit. Okay. There were a number of concerns with Galladay last year in Detroit. Health and then some, I don't want to, I don't know if I call it off the field. I'll, I'll call it professionalism issues with Galladay. And there was more than one, which I think is part of the reason why he didn't have a huge market and why teams wanted him to come in and visit so they could talk with him before they offered him a lot of money. So I don't know how that affects it. You know, he also had the injuries. Your thoughts on Galladay. 
You know, it looked like it, it seemed like the Lions were a little frustrated just reading between the lines at the end of the year when he was doing dealing with the injury. And we were always waiting for the practice updates. Oh, is Kenny Galladay practicing? They hadn't put him on the, you know, is, is he going to come off? Uh, is he going to play despite the injury? And after a few weeks, I was just like, no, this guy's not playing the rest of the year. And I have to wonder if Kenny Galladay, and, and this is just complete speculation, Ross, but now informed speculation based on what you just told me. I wonder if there was a, I'm going to free agency. See you guys. Screw you. I'm going home uh, type of element to what Kenny Galladay was doing. Now, for Galladay, you know, after I saw the contract that Juju Smith-Schuster signed and I saw the contract that Will Fuller signed, I was just basically bracing myself for, I guess, Galladay is going to sign a one- or two-year deal here and try to hit the market again. So I was a little surprised with the amount of money that the Giants gave him, just just based on um, – the way other wide receivers were treated in this weird uh, pandemic-affected offseason based on the, the the cap going down. So I was a little surprised to see how much money he got. So obviously the Giants are big believers in him. In terms of fantasy, it's probably a slight downgrade uh, for Kenny Galladay, somebody who I would consider with the Lions and Stafford a pretty consistent third-round pick. I would say to me, just to my my mind, uh, he'd be more of a fourth or a fifth rounder here. I and my concern is, A, number one with Daniel Jones. Um, I'm just not sure we know how good Daniel Jones is at this point. And I, and I don't know if we know – I don't know if we know if he's good or if he's bad. And I know there's going to be comparisons made. Oh, you know, this is like when the Bills got Stephon Diggs for Josh Allen. The difference here is, like, I thought Josh Allen's highs were always super tantalizing. Um, and the, the, the talent was always evident with Josh Allen. I'm not sure we've seen that those kind of flashes – uh, from from Daniel Jones. Uh, so, but the one thing I will say about Jones is he is an aggressive thrower. He's probably more aggressive than you think. Uh, as a rookie, as a matter of fact, according to the next-gen stats, he threw into a tight window the third highest percentage of any quarterback in the NFL. So he is aggressive. He doesn't have a great arm, um, but it's fine. He's mobile. I, I, I think more, more likely than not, he's just a guy, which should be okay for Kenny Galladay. Um, but my other concern is Jason Garrett. And Jason Garrett, even without Saquon Barkley last year, was one of the run-heaviest coaches in neutral situations in the entire NFL. So when Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris are his top backs, he's one of the run-heaviest coaches in the NFL. I don't know if Jason Garrett is going to change his stripes. So all in all, I think this is a move that makes Jones more appealing for fantasy. I think it's a move that makes the Giants more likely to compete in that poor NFC East. But for fantasy, I'm not really sure it it, it excites me. I might dabble in the Giants with like the cheapest receivers. I'm interested to see how this affects Evan Ingram. Maybe Sterling Shepard is now going to become a better option because he's probably going to play slot full-time, which is where, I mean, he should always have been in the slot. That's why the Golden Tate signing didn't make sense for the Giants a couple of years ago. Um, Darius Slayton, I think might this might knock him down the draft board and make him a little bit more appealing. Though I don't hate the move for Galladay Ross, this is probably going to make it less likely that I buy in on Kenny Galladay this year. A little surprised about Juju, but he's back in Pittsburgh. Is, is it worth yeah. talking about, or we just expect what we've come to expect from him there? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's worth talking about because the Steelers are running it back. And, Ross, I mean, it's kind of funny how we're talking about Juju Smith-Schuster uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers because – 
I just did a podcast uh, with with Scott Pianowski, and we were like talking about the Steelers, like uh, like there has been, and I think it's kind of funny. Where just a number of months ago, it's hard. They were the they were the last undefeated team left in the NFL. Like it's it's so bizarre to think about that because you look at the way Ben played and you look at the way they finished their year and they finished it obviously very poorly, uh, and and you're wondering like why are they d- deciding to run it back? And I just think this is probably a, um, a a product of the pandemic. But imagine telling yourself two years ago when 22 year old Juju Smith Schuster is coming off an 111-catch, 1,400-yard season at 22 years old that he would hit free agency at 24 and would have to settle for a one-year deal. Imagine that. Like, it's just – and by the way, he caught 97 passes this past year for, like, seven yards of catch, but he caught 97 passes. Uh, I know the pandemic affected that, but it's still bizarre to me. And for me, it's not really all that exciting for fantasy because I, I'm still not incredibly confident in Ben. Um, I'm, I don't like that the Steelers promoted f- from within for their offensive coordinator spot. Um, that, cause that offense looked completely broken last year. Juju and Deontay Johnson were two of the lowest a dot wide receivers in the entire NFL. They were just an extension of a non-existent run game. You would think, I mean, Pittsburgh has to draft a back high in this draft. Um, that run game was completely broken. You would think ideally they don't want to have to throw the ball as much as they did last year. Um, for fantasy, maybe it makes it more likely that I draft Juju because I actually think there's going to be a, a significant part of the public who's going to view him as less appealing than Chase Claypool, who's had, entering his second season and obviously is a more dynamic type of playmaker and less appealing than Deontay Johnson for fantasy purposes. And if Juju ends up going in like the sixth or seventh round, Maybe I'm I'm more in on drafting him, but this is yet another situation where if I'm going to dabble in the Steelers wide receivers, it might be with the cheapest guy, just like it would be with the Giants. Um, and and I honestly would not be shocked if by the time August rolls around, if Juju is the cheapest guy at that group. Will Fuller and Curtis Samuel, Joe, your thoughts on those guys? I mean, honestly, Will Fuller, I guess I have some doubts with Tua. I picture Curtis Samuel catching like eight slants and taking him to the house from Fitz. You know, but here's the, here's the funny part with Curtis Samuel. uh, And let's start with him. By the way, he got paid. So um, that, that, that shows that the team has plans for him. But when it comes to Curtis Samuel, um, you have to remember he was with Ron Rivera and was with Scott Turner in Carolina in 2019. And he was completely misused. His average depth of target with Carolina in 2019 was over 14 yards per Sports Info Solutions. It was down to 7.1 in 2020. I think Curtis Samuel is better used, Ross, as the latter. Kind of that quick slant. Use him out of the backfield. Um, uh, Get him on pivot routes. You know, put the ball in his hands on jet sweeps and those little pop passes that the Rams have popularized uh, in recent years. And in 2019, the Panthers just used him as a deep threat. And it was it was a bizarre way to use a really talented player. He had the single most unconverted air yards in the entire NFL in 2019. Um, that First and foremost, because Kyle Allen just couldn't get up the football. So that's not Curtis Samuel's fault. But he is much better utilized in a dynamic kind of role. And I wonder if uh, Joe Brady used him better 
then Scott Turner used him. So now Scott Turner, I'm really hoping he looked at the tape from last year. Hell, look at his Ohio State tape, how Curtis Samuel should be used. And it should be used as one of those, for lack of a better term, a gadget type player. And I think he could be super productive in that role. So I'm a little concerned that he's going back to a place where they miscast him. Or, or at least a coaching staff that miscast Curtis Samuel. So I'm a little bit concerned about that, but I would have to think they've learned from their mistakes. And certainly he can become a really nice number two option next to Terry McLaurin. Now for Will Fuller, this is a downgrade for me. I mean, Deshaun Watson's a super aggressive thrower. We know the kind of relationship that he uh, and Will Fuller have had on the field. Uh, so, uh, Tua, I didn't see it from him last year. Not to say he can't improve. This obviously improves his supporting cast. But from a fantasy perspective, Will Fuller at times was producing like a wide receiver one last year. I mean, he had a really good season. I think he's more of a wide receiver three right now with Miami and the unknown that is Tua. It's a good point, Joe. Really good point. Last question out of the tight end that have signed. Kyle Rudolph, Jared Cook with the Chargers, Gerald Everett with the Seahawks, Dan Arnold, Carolina. Rudolph is official now with the Giants. Which one of those guys excites you the most? Uh, It would be Everett and Cook. Um, Everett, because I think he'll be available pretty late. Uh, in uh, in drafts. And now, obviously, with when it comes to Jared Cook, they, the Chargers have to replace Hunter Henry. So you think he's going to be the guy who's going to come in there and start uh, at the beginning of the season, maybe kind of mentor Donald Parham a little bit. I know there were some Parham stands who were a little upset that the Chargers spent that kind of capital to go get Jared Cook. But uh, um, uh, he he's the guy who I expect will probably be going in the first 10 rounds for fantasy, probably somewhere in that 8 to 10 round range. Um, whereas Gerald Everett, I think in best balls, I could see him sl- slipping into that tight end two range. I can guarantee you that talent. Um, it doesn't look like Seattle's trying to put a Band-Aid on the tight end position anymore, although they signed him to a one-year deal, uh, with like a Greg Olson type of guy. I think he's going to be one of my, just, just based right now, on my initial analysis, doesn't look like Russell Wilson's going to move. That could change. But based on my initial analysis and my reaction, he's going to be one of my most drafted uh, tight end twos in best ball. I can guarantee you that. Joe Dolan's my number one pick among fantasy analysts. I love the guy. Not only do we share some of the same fandom for sports teams, he got an awesome personality, and he's the best fantasy analyst in the business. They actually do reports and research on this. Google it. Google it. He's at FG underscore Dolan on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. Twitter and Instagram. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. Very fired up to hopefully have the guru on next week's show. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, one 800 with it by the way if what i was talking about included a deposit bonus doesn't always sometimes it does deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit 